to a raw perspective, fresh point of view. I'm your host, Richard Anthony Wallace. Hello, everyone in quarantine land, because the entire world is under quarantine, or at least some form of quarantine. You've probably done the following things. Woke up from your bed, watched something on television, checked your social media, repeat, probably ate some food, and that's about it, because we can't do shit, but that is not what I'm here to talk about today, that is another topic for another day, and y'all probably tired of hearing it on the media streams, so I'm not going to talk about that. What I am going to talk about today is there was a special celebration that happened yesterday, actually. It was going to be my father's 63rd birthday. If you have been keeping up with the podcast, you will know that my father passed away at 61. So this is the second year without him on Earth. And to go year two they say it gets easier with time I don't think it gets easier with time it just becomes more and more numbing but I miss the guy that was my dude uh, we used to hang out all the time and that was, that was my best friend regardless anything that I needed he provided and now that he's gone that sense of guidance and that ear to talk to is gone so how do I make myself feel better I decided I'm going to tell a couple stories about the old man and hopefully you can at least relate if you can't relate these are stories of me and my dad the earliest memory which is probably the funniest memory that I've have with my father would be the time that I got my finger stuck in one of the coin dispensers in the car. You know how you put coins in, in the car and there was a place for change. Well, I was about three. I had overalls on with these rainbow boots. They were all different color boots. And my dad had picked me up from daycare I was being babysitted, and he goes to the gas station to put gas in, in there. So, you know, back back in the early 90s, credit cards were the lap of luxury. You actually had to go inside and pay for your gas. So me, being dumb as a kid, stuck my left ring finger inside of that coin dispenser and my finger got stuck in the coin dispenser. <laughs> uh, looking back at it now, it's the funniest thing that's ever happened, period. <laughs> so, putting my finger in, in the coin dispenser, don't know why I did it. I guess it was a game, and then the coin dispenser clipped my, my finger, and it was stuck. Couldn't Couldn't move it. And I was like, oh shit, I got my finger stuck. And here comes dad pumping the gas. And 
I knew that the gas would be over when the gas pump would click and my dad would always round up to the nearest dollar. And I, I do that today, round up to the nearest dollar. Learned that behavior from him. And <laughs> he's doing that, so I take off my coat and I put it over my left hand like that's going to hide anything. Dad gets in the car. All right, he's like, all right, son, we're about to head home and go from there. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, he, mind you that the coin dispenser is right next to the, the lever where you have to put the, the car and go. But he's like, all right, move, move this coat. That's what he told me, move this coat. And I was like, I don't want to move the coat. He's like, why don't you want to move the coat? I don't want to move the coat is what I said. And then he said, boy, if you don't move this coat so I can put this car in drive. And then he sees, he removes the coat and he sees my finger stuck in the coin dispenser. And everybody that knows me from my childhood, they know me as Rick. And he's like, Rick, why is your finger stuck in, in the coin dispenser? And this is me starting to cry. Like, oh, no. And... My dad says, all right, well, can you get your finger out of the coin dispenser? And me, being young and dumb, saying, no, I can't get my finger out, dad, dad. Something, I said something like that. And my dad's like, all right, I'm going to pull your finger out of the, the coin dispenser. So I'm not going to try and break your, break your finger. So I'm going to count to three and I'm going to pull it out, okay? And me crying, okay. And he goes, one, two, three. So he pulls out the entire box where the coin dispenser is, but my finger's still stuck in the coin dispenser. He's like, boy, how you get your finger stuck in this coin dispenser? <laughs> so he's all panicked. He's like, oh, shit, my son's got, got his finger stuck in this damn coin dispenser. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just crying. Just, uh... And, you know, when I was young, I could just go and nap instantly. So I was cry crying myself into a nap. We get home from Carol Stream, and Dad picks me up. It's like, come on, wake up, wake up. I got to get this stuff off. So my dad goes straight into the kitchen. And the thing that he uses first is a whole bunch of olive oil. We go into the bathroom downstairs. He starts pouring olive oil all over my hand and finger, <laughs> trying to slip it out. <laughs> that wouldn't work. <laughs> he tried to put some butter on there. That, that didn't work as well. Mind you, my mom is at work, uh, <laughs> so she has no idea this is going on inside of her house. <laughs> so he got butter. He got olive oil. He tried... I, I want to say like peanut butter to like get the stick it didn't work any type of butter it did not work and he was just like what is going on so he's in a panic I'm crying hysterically and he calls my mom obviously it was a landline phone he calls her work and <laughs> from from what my mom told me um, from the conversation my dad was like Yvonne your son is stuck in a coin dispenser. I gotta go to the, to the hospital. Click. So, my mom gets a call from one of the secretaries. 
stated, there's a frantic call from your husband. Obviously, my mom is worried, and she listens to the, the voicemail. And it's my dad saying that I'm stuck in a coin dispenser. Mind you, my mom is thinking that I crawled into one of those Coinstar coin dispensers and got stuck and have to take me to the hospital. So that means, in her mindset, that they had to get a truck, put the truck, put, put the Coinstar into the truck, and go into to the hospital. Uh, mind you, my dad didn't give any address to which hospital that we were going to. This was a time when we didn't have GPS on the phones or anything like that. <laughs> and he gets there. He's like, I need this thing off my son's finger. I remember him saying that vividly. And the nurse is like, well, calm down. We're going we're gonna to assess everything. What's the situation? And my dad trying to reserve hit resolve because he's frustrated and angry he's like, i need you to get this off my son's finger now mind you my dad is six foot four has an intimidating presence and you don't want to see him mad so we got security coming through and I'm just like oh my gosh look what i did look what my dumb ass did but my dad was always there advocating for me and mind you that my mom was fortunate enough to come in like a little bit after seeing my dad almost cuss out the security guard and my mom had to calm him down and the nurse said we will take good care care of Rick and lo and behold they had to buy special scissors to cut this hard plastic over my finger where the coin dispenser was just to get it off my finger <laughs> Uh, that was the time where I knew that my dad was was an advocate for me because anybody that will go to the lengths of putting olive oil, butter, peanut butter, all the different type of whatever substance to get that off my finger, uh, I applaud that man. Another story that I have of my father was, to this day, I do not eat pancakes. My father loves breakfast. He loved breakfast. That was the only time that he actually had an opportunity to bond with his father. Uh, backstory about that is my, my father and my grandfather. My grandfather was in the blacktop and landscaping business, and he had a very lucrative business. But all my grandfather knew how to do was work hard. And work hard he did, and he saw the fruits of his labor, but he never showed that compassion and that sense of love to my father. Uh, and the only time that my father got to bond with his dad, so my grandfather, was through breakfast. And that's the only time they had an opportunity to chat, talk, whatever. So, I was part of Taekwondo. Every Saturday, we would go to the YMCA. I would participate in Taekwondo. And my dad would always take me to Perkins. Perkins is a breakfast spot in the United States where they are known for their pancakes and pancakes galore. My goodness. Every single Saturday, my dad would be would always order for me. I never had the opportunity to order for myself. My dad would be like, well, my son will be having the pancakes like me. 
and he will also have a small chocolate milk, and I will have the large chocolate milk every single time. Every single time. Every time we go to Taekwondo. Taekwondo is like the entire summer. So what's that? 16 weeks of the summer. So that's 16 times eating the same damn meal over and over again. <laughs> so I think this was like time 14 because I never wanted to like disappoint my father. Uh, well, he's about to call in the waitress and put in the order. I told my dad and said, Dad, I'm tired of eating pancakes. I'm pancaked out. I was about like six, seven. I was just tired of eating pancakes. And all the time, he would always order some damn pancakes. And I just like, dude, I'm pancaked out. So to this day, I really don't eat pancakes because of him. And it's his fault. Because he would force me to eat those pancakes when I was a child. So I have, like, scarring, traumatizing situations with pancakes. I mean, if there's pancakes around and that's the only thing, I might take a, a flapjack and call it a day. But I'm not going out my way to get some pancakes. I don't like pancakes. Don't ask me for no damn pancakes. I'm not going to eat the pancakes. Now, if we're talking French toast... That's a whole nother ball game. I love me some French toast. And my dad could throw down on some French toast. That was the only thing I know. He knew how to cook. That and a Jack's pizza or a DiGiorno's pizza. And for me, I like mine just a little bit burnt. And not like burnt, like orange. And he wanted his more of like the white cheese. And that was always our problem. Because he's like, well... I don't want it to be all orange and stuff. And it's like, well, it just tastes better when it's a little bit orange and burnt. And we would always butt heads that way. But we would always compromise. We would do, like, his way one way and then the orange way my way. You know how you do on the pizza. And, you know, that's how we got along. Another time in my childhood, I would never let him zip up my neck. Like, zip up my uh, jacket because he would always zip up my neck. <laughs> Mind you, I kept growing. So, the jacket was probably too small for me to fit anyway. But my dad would always, <laughs> would always zip up my coat. And he would always hit my neck. Like, my neck would be zipped up with the coat. And I would always cry and holler. And it's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Daddy, you zipped up my neck. <laughs> I always would do that. Always would do that. And I'm just like, dude, why are you zipping up my neck, man? <laughs> my goodness. Oh. All right, some other funny things. They weren't funny at the time. But I can understand why it was, it was funny. Um... When I was a baby, I think I was like two or three, and my brother Lamar can attest to this. And uh, I was by the the fire pit, so the fireplace, and my dad was trying to like release the hood of the fireplace so he can get the fire started. Um, it couldn't do that because there was something blocking it, and Mind you, there was a backdraft of heat and explosion that was going to come out of the fireplace. Uh, so my dad 
quick thinking with his dead powers, got me out the way because I was right in front of the fireplace, and then all of a sudden there was just this ball of fire that comes out of the the fireplace. And my dad's like hair follicles is just singed. His mustache is singed. His eyebrows are singed. And my mom comes in and looks at my dad and says, what the hell happened to you? And apparently this is what I said. I said, daddy went whoosh. And yeah, he, he was like, he was almost bald for, for a moment trying to save save my my ass once again. He was always there protecting. Always, always there. Uh, some some good moments that I had with my dad. Uh, when I was in the Boy Scouts, uh, my my dad would always take me to like, well, Cub Scouts, not Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. My dad would always take me to the to to the place where we would get our Pinewood Derbies established, and we would go to. Uh, Waukegan, and there was a guy named Mr. Morrison, who's still alive today, I believe, and he would fix up Pinewood Derbies and would make them make them dope. They, they were the dopest collections of all time. It had an old school flair. My dad was also in the Boy Scouts, and my dad <laughs> was like, we're going to go to Mr. Morris' house, Morris's house. And you're going to have the best Pinewood Derby ever. So my dad was always looking out for me regarding that. Even though my Pinewood Derby would never win, I always had the coolest looking Pinewood Derby. And I think I got a trophy for the best looking Pinewood Derby if they have that. It's somewhere in the basement. But I did have that experience with him. Another time is we had a baking auction where my mom would make these lemon pound cakes. She still makes lemon pound cakes. Well, she hasn't made... A lemon pound cake in about a year um, actually a year to the day because that's what my dad would always want it's either a German chocolate cake or a lemon pound cake my school was doing an auction of sweets and baked baked goods and I decided to auction off the lemon pound cake granted uh, my mom can bake her ass off and she she still can uh, so I wanted to have my, my cake auction. So I go up, there's a whole bunch of parents in, in the auditorium and we're auctioning off. It was my turn to come up. Um, Mr. Hoffman, who was one of the, the teachers, now I believe he's principal at Trinity Lutheran, asked what was my name. I said Ricky uh, and what type of cake that I had. And I told him that I had a lemon, lemon pound cake. Most people in Bloomington, Illinois, only like chocolate, and so no one was bidding on my my cake. So I was a little bit bummed about that, but lo and behold, my father and mother were in the audience, and my father was the first one to put a bid on a cake that was already made by his wife, that he already paid for, and he's paying for it again because I believe it was going to some donation. But he went out his way to pay for a cake that he's already paid for again just to make me happy. So he would bid and then Mr. Hoffman would be like, all right, is there another bid? So there's another person that bidded. 
And then he's like, well, I guess I want to win this for my son because I saw the light in his eyes. And he was like, yeah, I'm about to win this for my son because his my mom makes a great cake. He's like, my wife makes great cake. And it's, it's true. <laughs> and he, he won that cake. I don't know how much he spent, but it was probably a little bit more than what he bought the ingredients for. Cause he would always be like, I, right, I, I got, I got this. I, I done paid for this cake. I'm pay for it again. You know how he he got. If you know, if you knew my dad, you 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 knew. <laughs> but yeah, he paid for it and he, he did it. He he did it, and I was really happy that he did that for me. Uh, one of the things that I wasn't great at, but I would always try was try and play basketball. Yes, me being a black man that's six foot one should be have some skill in basketball. Uh, granted, I was not always six foot one. I was like five foot four for for a long time. And me trying out for the team, I never made a team, uh, a basketball team that is. Um, tried out, uh, was too slow, too too overweight, and still slow as far as speed. I'm not not the fastest person. Um, now, might be considered overweight to, to some people, but hey, it is what it is, according to the metrics and whatnot, but I'm getting there, but yeah, that was one thing that, that was disappointing for me, because I never got to actually like play basketball for middle school or high school, because I wasn't good enough uh, to, to do so. Um, that was the one disappointment in myself, but my dad was still proud. I used to do the YMCA, uh, Wheaton Athletic Association, the teams where you know you had to the pay for. Um, I was I was still a part of that, so I have videos of that him at the games, him cheering me on. There was one time when we were playing outdoors, we went undefeated, and my dad was saying that you'll probably only go undefeated one time in your life. And granted, he was right. I've only been undefeated at one time. And that was one of the greatest seasons that we had. We were undefeated. I made one of the key free throws to keep our undefeated streak alive. And yeah, we, we were undefeated. That was a, a great season, a great year. Nothing will top that. Uh, but I did play lacrosse in high school. Yes, a black man playing lacrosse. I played goalie. That is the one team that I did make the team for. I tried out and I made the team because the year before it was just a club sport where you didn't have to try out. Second time around it was tryouts. And I'm like, fuck, there's tryouts. I'm like, might not make this team. So I was like, all right, what's the best opportunity for me to make the team? Uh, I <laughs> decided I wanted to play goalie. I went the goalie route and then we had these these speed runs, and I was with the slowest people, and I was the fastest out of the slowest people in the group. So <laughs> I think that's how I made the team. I made the team. I was on the junior varsity squad, and then I got promoted up to varsity. Um, I wasn't any good. Uh, my defense didn't really help me. I was the last line of defense. I tried. Um, I wasn't that good. And I, I was... I was disappointed in myself because I wanted to win in front of my dad, but he was still proud of me regardless. He came out, tried to understand the sport. Uh, he said, if you would have got this a little bit sooner, probably would have got a college scholarship. Yeah, probably would have. Probably been really good at it. 
Um, but he's always been supportive of, of everything that I've tried. Uh, he was supportive when I was trying to do film, when I was part of the Protege Learning Corporation, and he came to my film debut of the Jonathan Lee investigation. He was there, proud of that. Just a lot of things that he's proud of. Uh, he was there for my middle school graduation, where I won the Naperville, Naperville Exchange Award, working with students uh, with special needs, because I was part of Best Buddies and Peer Buddies. Uh, just working with them after school. And my dad said, I used to do that as well, working with the students with special needs. Uh, so there was something similar along those lines that we did together. Uh, we always used to watch basketball together. I always would watch the Bulls, no matter how good, how bad they were. I will always have memories of him taking me to all, all the Bulls games. I mean, I even paid for him when I got a little bit of money and going to the Bulls games. Those were fun. Uh, my mom couldn't stand basketball. She used to hate when basketball was on <laughs> because me and Dad would be cussing at the TV. <laughs> uh, but that, that was our, our gateway and that was our escape. We, we, we would do that. Some of the proudest moments that he's had was when I was part of what's called the Botillion. Now, Botillion is a, a banquet-style ball where young men are introduced into society as, as going off to college. It's a scholarship fundraiser. It was produced by the men of Alpha Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, which I am also a member. That's going to be my next story. Uh, and my dad... So part of it as well. Um, and my dad, back in the 80s is when he went to his first botillion. <coughs> and he set this, he set this into fruition. <coughs> he stated, if I ever have a son, he's going to be in the botillion and he's going to win the damn thing. This was back in 2008. Uh, I did not go to prom because my botillion and prom were on the same night. I didn't even have a prom date to begin with. I went to prom the following year at Nequa Valley. I went to Wabonzi Valley. I went to Nequa Valley's prom with some girl. Forgot her name. But I still haven't gotten those pictures from that. Don't know what I did. I actually knew more people at Nequa Valley than her. But that's another story for another day. But we'll go back to the Botan. Had a great Belle and Michelle. Michelle Hurst. Um, she... She was the preacher's daughter. So we had the church coming with the fundraising. Um, my dad was State Farm and his connections. My mom's ingenuity of using pamphlets to give out donations. Me selling tickets to my high school friends. I believe a few of my high school friends came through. I know Brad came through. I know Alex came through. I think Osvaldo came through. I'm not sure if Jordan came through. But I know that they were there. Uh, and they they came to support me we did a whole bunch of dances we did stepping that was probably the coolest moments and that's probably what made me aspire to be a member of Alpha Alpha but the funniest thing was <laughs> the, the parent dance because my dad can't dance worth shit he cannot dance at all and we have a DVD of him dancing with my mom. My mom is a creative, so she knows how to count one, two, three, four. 
all that. Never had a problem. My dad had two left feet, always stepping on my mom's foot. My mom would complain, like, why are you stepping on my foot with your big-ass feet? She would always complain during that time. It was, I was just embarrassed. <laughs> like, oh, my dad can't dance. And he would try so hard. He would try so damn hard. But he could never get get the steps. He could never get it. I'm like, how, how did you play? How, you, how did you do, like, strolls and step? Apparently, he knew how to do it. He just couldn't dance. Uh, and then when night came of the Botillion dancing, there was a, a, a gentleman segment. And tell me why this man is four beats off. <laughs> you have to see the video to see how off he was. He, would, he did his twirl, and then he would do his sidestep, and then he just stood in place while everybody else is doing their twirl and doing their sidestep four counts later. <laughs> you can never get on count. It just never worked. And <laughs> it's, man, that's so funny. So, so funny. Man. Uh, but lo and behold, I won the Botillion. Had raised the most money for the scholarship. And so I got the scholarship and was claimed Mr. Botillion for 2008. Never seen my dad so proud of me in my life. He's like, we won. We won, son. It's like, yes, we finally won. So I'm like, yes, it finally made him proud. Uh, I think other proud moments was, I think me going to college was another proud moment. I know this man cried in the car. <laughs> uh, I went to Hampton University my, my freshman year. Um, and that was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. And you can hear that in the other podcasts, the time and season one. But that was probably the worst experience of my life. But dropping dropping me off, Dad's like, all right, son, hope you have fun. You know, do, do everything that you can out here, man. Be, be the best that you can be. And then he's just like, I gotta go. And I see my dad going in the car. I'm starting to cry. And I don't think he wanted to see me cry. Because I, in my heart of hearts, my mom knew that I did not want to be at Hampton. Looking at the dorm room situation. Looking at all. This is my first time encountering an entire black college experience. Because I was at a predominantly white high school. Wanted to do my, my whole roots. No. My mom knew. It's like, you know you could come back. We could come back and we could figure this out. And then I told my mom that I would stay. And that was probably the worst semester of my life. I was going through a lot. Uh, Parents Day came through. And obviously I wanted my mom to be the, the comforter and the consoler. And I didn't want my dad to come. My dad was going to come for the Parents Day. Because not a lot of parents would come for Parents Day. And... I said, no, I don't want dad to come. I want mom. And my mom was like, no, you need to go see your son. My dad was kind of heartbroken for about that. But I'm glad that my dad came. I wasn't really sleeping that well because we had curfew. We had to wake up out of our sleep during the weekday at midnight to go sign in for curfew. Even though I was sleeping in my room. So ass backwards. And I wasn't really getting a lot of sleep. So I decided I was going to sleep at my dad's hotel. My dad let me sleep. I got off campus. I ate real food. 
That was probably the best time that I had with him. Um, but I was glad that he came, showed his face, all of that. Transferred to University of Illinois, Chicago. Should have went to Northern Illinois. I was trying to be like, no, nah, I don't want to go to the same place my dad went. Looking back at it now, I should have went to Northern. But hey, all the connections that I have, time and season for everything. I'm glad that I made my connections with the people that I made at UIC. Good, good opportunity. That's why I'm in the field that I'm in now. So everything happens for a reason. But UIC experience was okay. I tried to, you know, join the organization on those lines. Didn't happen at UIC. Um, another time, another season for that. So one of the proudest moments was when I graduated from college. I was disappointed because I didn't pledge. Um, in his fraternity, so that was one of my most disappointing things. Uh, but he was still proud of me regardless. Um, he was proud that I was graduating with with honors, and he was there to see that his son graduate. We went to the Cheesecake Factory, and he's like, you get whatever you want. And I was like, man, I want this pink lemonade with the sugar on the, on the rim of the glass with the good bread, and then the chicken Alfredo. And I've never seen him so proud. Mind you, before this, uh, I was thinking about graduate school. It was either going to be Northern Illinois, Iowa, or the University of Kansas. Uh, I bombed my Northern Illinois interview. It was the worst interview that I ever had. I went to do my University of Kansas interview. I rejected them. Iowa did not want me. So I screwed myself out of everything. <laughs> but lo and behold, one of the assistant directors, Natalie Timpson, which I thank to this day, gave me another another opportunity. And that was my only way to go was the University of Kansas. My parents were in a financial bind during that time because they paid for my college, all of my college. I am debt-free. I mean, I took out a loan, which was stupid on my behalf because I thought I needed to take out a loan. But I paid that off. But I am debt-free. And I was like, I don't know if I can go out of state again because of the experience that I had at Hampton. But my dad was like, hey, you should go try it and go to Kansas and you might have a great experience at Kansas. And it might, might do you wonders. Um, so I accepted the the graduate assistantship and was admitted into the program at the University of Kansas and I wanted to make my father proud and I got in contact with an alumni chapter over there to be a member of Alpha Alpha Fraternity Incorporated so the Delta Eta Lambda chapter had came out and met with me at an establishment and just told them my situation and what I can contribute to the organization. I participated in everything that they had, whatever programs that they had. I showed my face. I was active in everything that I did to try and get them. So I got my opportunity to be a part of the class of men that were, were pledging. Uh, ten, ten individuals. Uh, and my dad came on the first on the first week to, to see it through uh, for me 
And then he came during the last weekend to see me go over and become aid into to the organization. That's all I'm going to say about that for because you're not going to learn about that. But that was probably one of the proudest moments that I've seen of him. Um, me hugging him, gripping him up. The funny thing was is we went to Perkins. <laughs> we went to Perkins to, to celebrate. No we, no, we didn't go to Perkins. We went to some first watch or something. It was in Lawrence. Wasn't Perkins. Was it Perkins? No, it was Perkins. It was Perkins. Yeah, it was Perkins. Yeah. Um, and we, we, he was so proud. I have my letters on. I've never seen this man glow with joy. That was probably one of the proudest moments that he's ever had with me. Uh, and then seeing me graduate from the University of Kansas, uh, I have videos of him seeing me graduate in Allen Fieldhouse was probably one of the greatest experiences that he's had and also see me walk down the hill which is a tradition that is at the University of Kansas where we go through the Campanile and I'm, I'm on video saying this is what I do and the reason why I did this all of that I think one of the proudest moments that he had was when I had to finesse my way some tickets to a Kansas basketball game it was a rematch between Oklahoma State and University of Kansas, Oklahoma State beat us the previous year, and Marcus Smart stayed for another year to play play basketball. Uh, so I got my dad tickets because I finessed my way with my USC Connects to get tickets uh, with with folks, and I got my dad some some tickets, and he got to experience Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and Kansas won that game. And he said he'll never forget that ever in his life. And he got to experience Lawrence, Kansas. He got to experience all ev everything that had happened at KU. Uh, he, he got to experience it all. Just to say that he had a, a taste of college. Seeing him watch me graduate is one of the greatest things that he's seen. I think another thing that was a proud moment was me and his road trips. My dad would love to drive everywhere. We would always drive to Atlanta. And he, he loved driving. He was like, it's cheaper than flying. He was right. He was always cheaper than flying. Uh, he would always drive everywhere. Even when we would go back to his, his, his hometown of Waukegan. He would always tell the same damn story over and over again. This is Judge. This is where I was born. This is where I almost drowned in the swimming pool, but I was saved. Um, this is where I beat up somebody over the, over there. Um, this is where I played basketball over here at Waukegan East, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, Dad, will you just please shut up about the stories? But that was, that was his childhood, and that was him growing up, and we would always listen. He would repeat it all over again, and we would always let him tell his story. And that's something that I do miss. Uh, and I, if I could hear him talk about walking here all the time, I would not care from there. Um, but road trips were, were, were great, especially the road trip that we had to Pullman, Washington. <laughs> Two black men traveling across rural, rural states of North Dakota, Montana, <laughs> Montana, Idaho, into Washington State. Uh, we we had to plan our, our route strategically, but we, we had some good talks. 
Um, you said I was going to have a great time. I did have a great time at Washington State. Middle of nowhere, I had probably the best time of my life. Uh, he's like, man, you go flourish here. And he was right. I, I, I flourished. Uh, really did flourish. I mean, all, all the different trips that we had. We would, we would enjoy those trips. I mean, everything that he was doing. I, I was there in the picture. Everything that he was doing. It was great. Uh, trips to the trip to Disney World that was that was amazing. Um, meeting prominent figures like the Mayor of New Orleans, Mark Moriel, um, the former Senator Roland Burris. Like I was meeting meeting people, and my, it was because of my dad's connections. My dad knew everybody. Everybody knew my father. It was he just had that gift of gab, where he would always go in different circles, and no matter what, everybody knew who Richard Wallace was, and that was my father. They say to this day that I have the same voice, uh, like like my father. I mean, my brother called me up yesterday saying, "I need to hear your voice because you're the closest thing that sounds like dad," and that is true. Because people sometimes mistake me for my father. It's like, "Oh, rich, oh, big rich, what's good, man?" It's like, "Nah, this is the son." It's like, "Oh man, y'all sound exactly the same." Yeah, we have the same mannerisms, the same laugh, the same everything. I walk like him. Talk like him, eat like him. I was an RA, he was an RA, everything. It's just it's crazy how uh, he went almost went down the student affairs side. I went down the student affairs side. It's it's kind of crazy how our lives are like parallel. Um, but yes, the I mean the last argument that I had. Um, with my dad. Well, let's let's start with the the last birthday that I had of him. It was in Cabo, uh, Cabo, Mexico. He was turning sixty years old, and he said, "I got to do a big in Cabo." Um, so we brought my cousins, uh, Cynthia, Jerry, my brother Kyle, my oldest brother Lamar couldn't come during that time. It was my mom and my dad, and we had the time of of our lives. I've never seen my dad have so much joy in his life. I've never seen him have so much joy in his life. If you want to know more what happened during that time, listen to the podcast about traveling to Cabo San Lucas. But I've never seen my dad so happy in life, ever. Um, just uh, wish him a happy birthday. He said he's happy to be alive. <laughs> uh, I still have that uh, that video. Um, the last argument that we had was him coming back from Cabo a second time. Um, he was six, 61. Uh, he just came back from the Life Lux Jazz Festival, which my cousin Diana pulls off um, annually, where it brings all these jazz artists, like big-time jazz artists, to Cabo, and my dad was enjoying himself. I asked my dad to buy me one bottle of Pure White Hennessy. This man bought three, and he wanted me to buy three bottles from him. And that was, was probably the stupidest argument that we had. It was probably the pettiest argument that we had. But <laughs> that was that was the argument that we had. Uh, it was so dumb, but I apologize, and I'm glad I did. Um, the last memory that I have with my father is not the best memory. It's um, him passing away in front of me. Um... You can hear about that uh, with the One Year Later podcast, but that's not the 
the best memory that I have of my father, um, of him passing away, right in front of me, uh, which still fucking sucks every single time I think about it. Uh, still go to therapy for that. Yes, it's therapeutic, but shit, I still miss my homie. Uh, I, I sleep in the room where his, the last place that I, I saw him drop. Um, I still sleep sleep in there when I come visit my mom. Uh, just that's the last place that I got to be with my dad. That's the closest that I've ever been. Um, but I look at it from this perspective. Uh, he was there from my beginning when he saw me born. I made sure that I had all my fingers and toes made sure that I was breathing correctly and I was there for his very end. Uh, as, as fucked up as it, that is, um, I, I had a great father. Uh, I had probably the best father. I, I would put my father up at the upper echelon of fathers. Sure, he was not perfect, but he was perfect for, for us. Um, granted, he had, had, had done some, some things, but, but those things had transpired into blessings, like blessing of having my brother Kyle. Like, I would never trade my brother in for the world. I would never trade my brother Kyle. I love that, that dude, because he, he's a part of him as well. So, and Kyle, I know you are making these things, but you know that Dad was always proud of you. And he loved you just like he loved me, man. And I want you to know that from, from that. He would always talk about you, always positive things, always. So I just wanted to put that in there while I, I could say that. Um, it, just, it just sucks because... If, if I ever get married, I, I hope I, I get married. Like, I hope I get married. I hope I have kids. Like, he's not going to be able to experience those those moments, you know? Um, and that's that's the thing that's, like, eating me up. It's like, fuck. It's like, it's not going to be able to experience that. And that's the thing that eats me up every single day. And, like, I always ask if my mom is good. I mean, she says as good as she's going to be, but she'll never be the same person that, that she should be. Like, me and her share that same memory of, of seeing seeing my dad, her husband. That was the last memory that we have of him, which is fucked up. But that's something that we share together. And that's that's something that we're bonded for the rest of our lives until our, it's our time to depart. I mean, it's usually your parents are supposed to go before the kids. Like, I, God forbid, I hope none of my brothers or myself were to transition before my mother because that would break her heart. I mean, she's seen her parent pass away. She's seen her oldest brothers pass away, tra like one tragically, you know, others from health issues. Um, seeing a dog pass away and then seeing her spouse pass away, that's fucked up. Like, that's why I always speak positivity and speak life into my life. That's why I'm trying to get my life in order, trying to eat healthier and trying to have prolonged probability of life. Now we got this shit COVID and I'm glad that my dad doesn't have to experience this shit. Um, but 
that was my dude, man. And I love that man. And I'll always love that man. Um, if I ever have children, you know, if I if I have one that identifies as, as a man, as male, name him right after him. Because that's how much utmost respect that I have for that man. Because he's the one that made me who I am. That's the type of person that I am. I am literally a fucking clone of him. <laughs> literally. Everything that I do is, is for him. So, with that being said, I want to say this last thing about my dad is this. I love you. I miss you so much, man. So, so much. I know that you are living it up with your mom. Probably rekindling your relationship with your dad. Hanging out with your brother Charles. I just miss you dearly. And if I could have one moment back with you, man, just to give you one big-ass hug, man, I would. Because I love you, man. Always will love you. Until it's my time to see you again. Because I'm going to grip the hell out of you <laughs> when I see you, bro. Man, it's probably the second hardest podcast to do, because uh, I miss that man. With that being said, if you haven't done so already, sorry, let me compose myself. If you haven't done so already, you can go to facebook.com slash Perspective and click that like button. And be updated on everything that's going on podcast related. I want to thank each and every one of my listeners. I want y'all to say stay. They say, ah, I can't talk today. Stay safe during COVID-19. Make sure you are washing your hands. Checking on your loved ones. Just check in on your loved ones. Even if there's a petty grudge that's going on, just let that shit go, man. Let that shit go. Check up on one another and be safe. And we're going to get through this. Again, my name is Richard Anthony Wallace. This is A Raw Perspective. Peace. Peace. Peace.